Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of Kebab Karma. So today I am joined by a very special guest. You may recognize her from some of her Oscar winning performances. She is the star of Backdoor Sluts 9, <laughs> of uh, Carry On Up My Kyber, and who could forget the Oscar winning classic starring Barbara Streisand, Yentl. Today I have with me the beautiful, the stunning, the girl who's wearing the Beats headphones, Nat. Hey, girl. <laughs> hey. <laughs> Not sponsored. How's it going? It's going good. It's going good. You had a birthday during uh, Corona season. So how was I did. that? It was actually really, really nice. So we've had really nice weather and it's very sunny, which I think is automatically a mood lifter. I live with my mum and um, another girl who's about my age and we're quite good friends. And um, she made me like a banner, which is still hanging up because I'm very extra, that says happy birthday. And they gave me presents and I made a cake and then we all had the cake. It was delicious. Yeah. And then we like took some round to uh, like our neighbours and it was just a lovely, wholesome day where we did lots of fun things. I felt a lot of love. So it was very sweet. Oh, that sounds nice. I think quarantine is bringing people together quite nicely. You're sort of beginning to appreciate people now that they're not there all the time. So I thought that we'd bring you on the podcast today because you are um, uniquely qualified in so many ways, but specifically to talk about uh, relationships and specifically bad relationships and specifically ones that may or may not have been, for lack of a better word, uh, fascinating. But okay. fascinating in the way that, like, you know, mass shootings are fascinating. In the way that you're like, it's fun to watch, but I wouldn't want to be there if you paid me all the money in the world. Yeah, like a train okay. wreck. Like a train yeah. wreck, yeah. Or a car, say, crash. Like a car crash. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, so I sent you over the idea and you were like, yes, um, because you have recently started a life coaching business called Nat, Nat, Nat Does Life. Life. Nat, Nat Does, Does Life. Life. Yeah. Um, and, you know, <laughs> you're starting to help people through relationship trauma. So mm -hmm. I thought it would be fun to get you on to talk about some of your relationship trauma, because I like to live vicariously through other people's mistakes. Mm -hmm. And also I have so many of my own that I think it would just be kind of amusing. You have your own mistakes. I mean, I know I am practically perfect, but that is mostly just an Instagram filter. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of Instagram, just before we start, um, have you noticed my facial hair? I uh -huh. have, yes. Uh -huh. I have. First of all, I noticed uh -huh. that you cut your hair and I was shook. And then I saw your story about the woman wolf whistling at you or like checking you out. And I was like, yeah, get a girl. And also like, you know, I'm not surprised, you know, you look good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, my Asian asked me to try and grow a beard <laughs> and I cannot grow any facial hair to save my life. No, I know you can't. No, I know this about I, you. Yeah. I really can't. So like, it's so I've got like a little bit of hair here. Yeah. You have the patchiness on the other side, no hair. And then a little <laughs> bit under my chin. Cause you have the mustache. The mustache is fine. And then like down on your chin and then the rest of it's like struggling <laughs> visibly. <laughs> He literally sent me a message and he was like, yeah, there's like beard growth tonic that you can get and a little roller to help encourage growth. And I was like, mm. you've really thought about this. And then I look at the, <laughs> I look at it on Amazon. It's a fucking needle roller that you roll up and down your face. Oh, I've heard of those. Yeah. I'm mm. like, no, I'm not into that freaky shit. Why is he asking you to grow a beard? May I ask? Because I've got a headshot session coming up. Like, I need new headshots. So um, I'm booked in to do a headshot session in May. So hopefully that still happens. Who knows? Um, mm -hmm. 
And what they usually like to do is get like a range of photos. They're trying to ask you, can you grow your facial hair so you can do a couple of photos with that? Oh, just to show that you can. That you can. And I'm like, okay. if anyone books me thinking I have facial <laughs> hair, it's going to take me three months to grow <laughs> even a little beard. So I don't know what you think is going to happen here. Yeah, maybe that's not the best idea. If you can't actually do it, then maybe, yeah. It's like when you say you speak a language for like a job interview and then you're forced to use it and you sort of have to come clean eventually and be like, I don't speak fluent Portuguese. I'm so sorry. <laughs> no hard blowing place. <laughs> <laughs> Um, all right, so let's get into it. We're going to talk about relationships today and we're going to talk about mistakes that we've made in our younger years that we wish we could just go back, shake our younger selves and say, no, bitch, no, please stop because I'm from the future and you are a terrible slut. So <laughs> just hand it over to you. Feel free to just kind of free talk about your past relationship and we'll just kind mm -hmm. of have a little chit chat. Okay, so I think the one you're talking about, I know very well the one you're talking about. And I think the main one for me, and also I have in my life coaching business, by the way, please don't, I've been forced into that. That isn't my actual <laughs> job. <laughs> it's not by choice, but I have been recently doing some soul searching and some life helping. And a lot of things I've come across are like not being able to detect red flags. And I think we all sort of slightly are guilty of this. But I think a lot of what um, red flags tend to sort of feed back to is controlling and manipulative behavior. So they want to make sure that from the early onset, you are listening to what they're saying and they're doing as you're doing as they tell you to. And they sort of will ultimately have control. And it's probably because they're, you know, insecure and they feel that maybe they're not a great catch or they have some sort of insecurity themselves about the way they look or the way I don't know anything and so they think well I've got to keep this person so I've got to make sure that they don't you know stand a chance with anyone else or something like that and so I had you know I don't like nail polish it's tacky it's slutty it's chavvy whatever you know don't wear skirts like that <laughs> nail polish is a new one I, I like, yeah it was a nail polish nail polish was one of them what was wrong with nail polish skirts like skirts is like every guy under this who's like no you can't wear that because you're fucking your legs are for me like no shut up see that i get because it's it's very primal but it was um it was like oh it's tacky and i'm not I, i'm not dating a tacky girl and it was because like well my sisters don't wear um nail polish like they're like a tenner and I'm like no I am <laughs> I have all of them I've invested all this money I am wearing the fucking nail polish um <laughs> yeah so that one was a weird one and it's just just small things because ultimately you think the temptation there is to say well it's not a big sacrifice so I'll do it because mm -hmm. if it's like you know skirts and whatever you're like no this is my style um mm -hmm. anyone who knows me knows that I have like an unhealthy addiction to nail polish as in putting nail polish on my nails not like sniffing it or anything weird um i have like, I have, like <laughs> just guzzling a gallon of nail polish <laughs> snorting the whole thing um that's where my money goes um no it's like i ever since i've been like 17 i have i just have to have nail polish all the time on my nails and so for me it was almost a big deal but at the same time i thought of oh, you know stop being stupid and i think when you start to make small changes and actually listen to it rather than think oh my god this is drastically toxic is when it starts going tits up. So you think it's kind of more of like, uh, people fall into these traps because they're incremental. It's like small things that kind of happen over time to kind mm -hmm. of degrade your uh, sense of independence that's kind of hard to kind of get out of. 
Yes, I think for certainly for me and certainly for other people I've met who've told me that they've been in the same situation is sort of it's sort of a whittling down of your self-confidence. Um, you know, uh, it's like, oh, well, you do this, i.e., I don't know, you paint your nails, I don't like it, it's tacky, so therefore, by default, you are tacky. And if you don't change the way you are, then you are going to be negative in X, Y, Z way. And so it makes you feel that you need to change yourself to to be a, a better and, and more like, I don't know, have more integrity or something, or like somehow make yourself better and worthy of this person's attention. So they kind of use like essentialist arguments to kind of make you as a person equate to your actions. It's like, I think nail polish is tacky. Therefore, you are tacky for wearing exactly. nail polish. Exactly. Whereas really the issue is that they just have some kind of weird issue with nail polish. Oh, 100%. And then you're going to internalize that and then start to change your behavior to try and please this person who, even if it's just a small way, is then exerting a measure of control over you. Exactly. I think that's exactly it. And it's where the, when you start changing your own behavior rather than starting to think critically about, you know, is this actually an issue is when the control starts setting in. Okay. And so for people who are kind of maybe listening and thinking, oh, my boyfriend doesn't like me hanging out with my friend Brad because he says, you know, Brad is a bad influence or he doesn't like me you know going to this specific bar or these bars or any bars or whatever whatever what kind how would you advise or what do you wish you would have done or what do you think people should do if they're in that kind of situation well it depends if I'd been hanging out with Brad for like five years beforehand and I'd never seen an issue and no one else had ever said anything to me about it then it's definitely worth sitting down and thinking, okay, well, suddenly this new person has come along and, you know, obviously has an interest in being with me. And, and you know, and sometimes that kind of manifests it, itself in that person sometimes trying to cut you off from things. And that is something that sometimes people say, and, you know, somebody is obviously going to be overprotective of you if they're in a relationship. But if nothing has ever been an issue, you might want to just kind of step back and say, okay, well, it's never been an issue up until this point. If I'm not doing anything mental, if I'm not risking my life, if I'm not you know, going down sort of like, if I'm not breaking bad, if you like, then what's the deal? You know, definitely talk to your friends about it, talk to other people, see what their view is on it. Because it might well be that some of your friends have seen that maybe Brad is a bad influence and they just haven't said anything because as we say in Polish, not my circus, not my monkeys. And they don't <laughs> want to get involved in like, you know, your your stuff, you know? You don't not they don't the overstep the not my monkeys. <laughs> Have you never heard that? It's brilliant. It's my absolute that's favorite Polish phrase. Good saying. I love that. It's brilliant. So they don't want to dabble in something that's not their problem because it will likely cause a whole plethora of other issues. Um yeah. so I would say that, you know, if it's a long term thing and suddenly, you know, this person who is overprotective of you is being a dick about it, then absolutely it's probably that they are being a dick about it. In these sort of situations, don't be afraid to just turn back to the person and be like, no. I will continue to see my friend. He, she is my friend. And then if they still have a problem with it, then it's probably, you know, a thing about like cutting off you from your friends and, and trying to kind of have you all for yourself or for themselves rather. And I think that it, you, you definitely kind of need to think objectively about it. You can't just say, oh, well, they must be right because, you know, that's never really worked, has it? Let's face it. <laughs> it can be kind of a like slippery slope sometimes, especially with friends, because sometimes you don't, really know if they are kind of seeing you less hanging out with you less because that's what their partner wants mm. or because they're just in a new relationship yeah I've had that so many times 
Yeah, it can be kind of a struggle because like sometimes, you know, I've had it where a friend of mine has gotten into a relationship and then suddenly you don't see them for months. Mm-hmm. And then you're kind of like, do I bring it up with them? Is it because their partner doesn't like me? Like, what is mm-hmm. the, is there like a vibe here? Or are you just busy, you know, off with your new boo thing? And, mm-hmm. you know, then you kind of forget like you're, that there are other people in your life, which I suppose yeah. is, is, is fine. Like go ham, live your best life. So we can kind of act in two ways. Yeah, it can isolate you from other people, but then people aren't going to want to, aren't going to necessarily make the move to address it with you. So then it kind of ends up both ways working in their favor because they end up isolating you either because you've chosen it or because other people are just like, ah, she's busy. Well, bizarrely, on the, I'm not sure how many times it actually has happened to me, but on one occasion, I actually have had my friend come up to me and say, and this would be hilarious if he's listening. He called me and said, um, yeah, my, my girlfriend is not letting me speak to you anymore. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> and it was like, you know, very candid about it. And um, needless to say, that didn't last very long because I think he felt terrible. I think that was also just a general relationship that was going to meet a natural end in any event. I don't think I could actually call somebody up and be like, by the way, uh, my can't be friends anymore. So um, <laughs> bye. <laughs> like, I think I just lack the balls. That's so interesting. I mean, good for him for, for saying it, I suppose. But also, would you not just feel so emasculated or like, like such a kind of small person going to someone and being like, I can't see you anymore because m- my girlfriend says that you can't be trusted. Well, see, normally, normally I'd agree, but actually in a lot of these situations, and this happens, and this is like getting semi-dark, in some cases you are manipulated by somebody in such a way that I know that this was definitely the case here and it happens so often, particularly with girls. They kind of say these things about themselves that makes them seem really like kind of uh, fragile. And I think some men, and I know a few of them, stay with girls and do these crazy things like that for their girlfriend at the time because they have just their girlfriend has made them feel so bad that they're worried about what they'll do if they don't comply which sounds strangely like some sort of hostage situation if you think about it like what i've just said if i didn't use the word girlfriend or boyfriend or whatever yeah you're like trapped in like a mental prison yeah that you think well if if i don't then what will she do you know will this will life be even worse for me and it must be an exhausting existence to constantly be keeping tabs on somebody and worrying about what they'll do if you are that worried then then maybe i don't know maybe you shouldn't be in that relationship if it's if if it's a question about that person if it's a question Mm. about you then you honestly i mean i can't advise because i'm not like a psychologist but then you have some, I think, like... I'm just a life coach. I'm just a life coach. I'm not qualified in uh, psychology. Um, yeah, no, I think that at that point you need to start ref- like self-reflecting and thinking, okay, well, if I am insanely jealous over m- the concept and the idea of my boyfriend hanging out with any woman, and I've had this with every man I've ever been with, then, you know, that's definitely something that you need to deal with internally. I mean, it can be, like, overcome for a good few months, like, year even, at the start of uh, my relationship. Like my partner would be really angry or just like get really pissy every time I go and do something that like didn't involve them. Like when mm. I'd go to photo shoots or when I'd go, you know, out to clubs or whatever, it'd be like a weird, like, oh, why are you going there? What's happening over there? What, why are you so insecure about me going to do a photo shoot? What do you think is going to happen on this set? And it kind of came down to the fact that he was a very sheltered person who had kind of no, I like didn't have anything of his own. Mm. Like he didn't have his own friends he didn't have his own 
ecosystem in which he could go and, and live. So like when I wasn't there, he just felt kind of lost. Yeah, and like abandoned. Yeah, he was just like, oh, well, you've gone now. So now I just have to sit here and wait. It's like, no, no, girl, you could go and you could do whatever the fuck you want. Like you can go and you can be your own person and you can kind of thrive in your own way. You just have to go and do it. As time progressed and he's not as fresh off the boat anymore, now I can like, <laughs> you know, go and do photo shoots and go to clubs and stuff and he doesn't yeah. blink twice. See, luckily, that's something that you can just fix with time. Yeah, but the, the behaviors are similar. I think you just kind of have to notice whether or not it's because that person is like themselves feeling trapped or lonely and whether that's something you can fix mm -hmm. or whether they're just crazy. Because we do still have moments where I'm like, oh, I'm going to this photo shoot. FYI, I'm going to be naked in my underwear doing X, Y, Z. Where he's a bit like, grumble, don't like. But then he sees the photos and puts them in his spank bank and he's fine with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's usually the way of getting out of it is like, well, you know, if there's something in it for you, then I guess it's fine. <laughs> I'm doing this for you, baby. Womp womp. <laughs> um, so I think from 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 my life, uh, obviously, slightly different perspective, uh, you being a... Uh, predominantly unless paid to be otherwise heterosexual woman mm -hmm. damn straight <laughs> <laughs> only gay for pay baby uh, <laughs> you did once describe me as what was it i think you'd make a fantastic dominatrix lesbian you said something like i'm the gayest woman that's but that's not gay but i think you meant because <laughs> i like do a lot of gay man things yeah, you're a gay man trapped inside a straight woman's body. Yes, that's the one. Okay. <laughs> so I think from uh, from my perspective, or at least from a, uh, a gay man's perspective, uh, plot twist, I am a, a gay man. A gay man? Um, a gay man. A lot of my mistakes came from just the most intense amount of self-hatred ever. But I think the thing that I regret most is just fully being okay with people just walking all over you. The word relationship is hard to kind of quantify in this situation, but let's just say I had a, a tryst that was ongoing for years. It first materialized in year six of, of primary school, so my mm -hmm. last year of primary school. Um, I had this weird experience with uh, an individual who... I can't really say molested me because we were the same age, but, you know, like was more advanced than I was mm. because I was a very um, shy uh, religious child who just was the head of the school's Bible club. Like, you know, no. I was just, yeah, it was, called, I was, it was called Explorers. Um, and oh, we had, we sung all these God. great religious songs. My favorite one um Turns out, like, years later, I found out it's, like, a riff on, like, some kind of weird football song that I had no idea about. I just thought it was about... Um, <laughs> but then there's one that I, like, I really remember. It goes, who's the king of the jungle? Who's the king of the sea? Who's the king of the universe? <gasps> yes. And who's the king of me? I'll tell you. J-E-S-U-S. -S. This sounds like... Some of this sounds familiar. Like, it's a tune from something else, 100%, but that is brilliant. That is absolutely... Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I fully remember all, all the <laughs> I love your little Polishisms. I that wasn't a Polishism, the... that was a Jenna Marblesism. What's it... a Sheskus? Chef's oh, kiss. Chef Kisses! <laughs> I thought you were saying Chef's Kisses. I was like, no, yeah, just yeah, sporadically Polish. switch languages. Like, that's a psychopath. <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, so, you know, um, one day in a classroom, for some reason, it was just the two of us. Mm hmm. 
his hands went in some places. I don't know what was going on. All I knew is that Jesus did not like it. <laughs> Jesus would not approve of that. Jesus did not approve. Um, and thus started a... It went on until after year 11 of high school. So oh, wow. all the way through high school and into... We went to separate colleges and into college of just the most unhealthy, weird, fucked up relationship. So basically... I try not to give too much away about who this individual is, because if I say we were in a club together, let's put it that way. Um, like we a both, nightclub or a Jesus club? Uh, no, not the Jesus club. We both did a particular activity, okay. like oh, extracurricular right. activity. A social club, okay. There weren't very many people in this club, so a lot of the times we would just be practicing, the two of us. Um, and, you know, that would mean that there was just ample time for us to just fool around but then when we weren't doing that you know he had girlfriends he was just like constantly getting girlfriends and oh you know God. living his actual life so he was presenting as straight but was actually gay no he's he, bi no now he's engaged to a woman i don't know if he keeps it up in his spare time because i had to cut off all contact but it got so unhealthy that i actually tricked myself into believing that like we had some kind of, I don't know, like affinity for each other that we mm -hmm. actually like cared about each other. He was strangely possessive in a way that he tried not to be, if that makes any sense. So he'd like ask me, have you been with any of the guys? I'd be like, no, <laughs> no, of course not. Never, me, me, no. no, do you know me? <laughs> and I was just trying so hard to like be straight the entire time and like, you know, do what he was doing. And then obviously try and be with him on the, on the side. He didn't give a single flying fuck about me, but I honestly just thought that any little piece of attention that he gave me meant that we were just fully in love. And then later on, we could just go and be together after high school. Mm. Ain't no fucking way that was ever going to happen. Honestly, I didn't understand that gays were a thing. No, no one said shit to, to me about gays in high school. No one said shit to me about gays in primary school. No one said shit to me about gays full stop. Mm. It wasn't until I was like 20 that I understood like, oh, you could just have a normal fucking relationship. You don't have to have some kind of weird, twisted, fucked up, you're straight, you're not straight, you're here, you're not here, you're whatever. Having known you during that time since before you were 20, oh, well, you must be 19, 18. Yeah. I can vouch that this is the truth. Yeah. I remember, the, I remember, I remember there was a, and I think, I'm not sure if you remember this, but there was like a particularly inappropriate moment where somebody asked you, you might remember this. You said something, you made a comment. I can't remember for the life of me what that comment was. And somebody replied in response, but Emmerich, aren't you gay? Oh, uh, <laughs> that happens so much as a gay like child when you're trying so hard. And you just went, I mean, you handled it really well. You went, mm, it depends what day of the week it is. And I remember <laughs> that everyone else, because this wasn't like a sort of unique sort of, you know, one guy said it to you and I happened to overhear. Like there was a group of us. And I remember yeah. that my heart just stopped because I'd known you and I'd never like, I had my theories and I was pretty sure you were, but I was never going to ask yeah. you. Like, it's not my place. Again, not circus, no monkeys. And because you'd never said it and you'd never been open about it. And I thought he'll tell everyone or not when he wants to. And that happened. And I think you must have been 19 then. So when you hearing you say that you were unsure about what it was until you were in your 20s, like makes so much sense. It took a particularly strong bout of 
depression to like get over it because I moved away like in, in first year I went to first year of uni mm. and then second year I moved I just moved away I, I, I went that to happened. yeah I just moved away for a year I just went off and that was a very healthy time for me I like got my shit together but in between that it was either move away or go to conversion camp those were like the two things that I was like trying to do oh shit seriously so in the first year between university I was like researching where I could go because it just everything felt really wrong I didn't really understand what was happening mm. and so many like bad things had happened just like over and over and over again with me constantly trying to like figure out what the fuck I was doing with other people. We continued on this weird relationship for so long. And then we, we finally decided that we were going to have, you know, the sex, like the full, the full homosexual sex. Mm -hmm. And I tried it once before, which was a disastrous experience with someone whose name I cannot remember. Um, <laughs> but like, this was like my first time trying it with someone who I actually legitimately still believed we were like in love. Mm -hmm. Um, or like as close to whatever the fuck I thought we were. We had the sex. Well, let me rephrase that. He had the sex, finished, and then punched me and left. And I was just like, Holy shit. oh, done in. Great. That's that fantastic. That is internalized homophobia if ever I saw it. Yeah. Jesus Christ. That's, that's rough. And then obviously I was just like a crying hot boo-boo mess. Kind mm. of like managed to walk around the corner back to my house and then just like stood in the shower for a really long time being really sad Aww. and like that shit just kept happening so like mm. happened with him happened with another person happened with like my housemate at university who i made the monumental mistake of sleeping with on the first day and then <laughs> the second day plot twist he goes and sleeps with another housemate of ours who was a girl and then i was just like it's happening <laughs> So I was just I was such a hot boo-boo mess that I just let people continuously walk all over me mm. until I went to the States, lived there for a year, got into another relationship-ish with a straight guy who was a drug addict. That relationship was strangely cathartic because although, you know, I, relationship again used loosely, mm. because although he exhibited a lot of the same behaviors. He never tried to put it onto me, if that makes sense. He never tried to make it out like it was my fault or anything was my issue. He was just like, no, I'm kind of a fucked up person. You can be with me or around me and we can do whatever together, but I'm just kind of messed up. So it's nothing to do with you when people act like this. This is just the way I act. And that kind of weirdly allowed something to click where I was like, oh, okay. The issue with these people that I'd had before was that I just kept internalizing their behavior as if it was something wrong with me, mm. as opposed to, no, these people are just going through their own shit. Mm. I was just, I think, an inherently focusing on my existence as opposed to being able to see that, yeah, I'm struggling with this, but this person is also struggling with it. So maybe it's more a reflection on them. But I don't think that's uncommon. I think that a lot of the time when stuff like this happens, um, you know, I have friends who, um, you know, nonstop will attract the same kind of person who does exactly this. I mean, nowhere near to the same degree, but, you know, they're people who come along and they instantly start getting, you know, jealous to the point where you have no right to be that jealous and screaming at them and, you know, swearing at them. And I'm just like, what sort of 
basis of a loving relationship is that if you're ever going to even get into a relationship, you know? And I actually remember this when you when you went away and you came back and you just seemed so much like I don't know, I don't want to say happier. I think happier, yes, but also like you just you had your shit together. Yeah. I think it's one of those things where sometimes you just you need someone to tell you, like, you are not always the problem. You know, you got your shit, you need to work on some stuff because you're a little bit yeah. crazy. But <laughs> like half of three quarters of if not half of the half or three quarters of the blame is also on me so don't take it all too personally Mm. and i think that was if i could just like you know tell myself one thing about relationships is that like yeah it's not always your fault you can't try and change someone you can't take all the responsibility for something going to shit because Mm. there's another person there who's like bringing their own baggage to the table. And it makes it so much harder when that person is trying to convince you, which I believe is gaslighting. I'm (laughs) pronouncing that correctly, like the kids. Uh Um, When that person is actively trying to convince you that that you are in the wrong and that you're trash and that you're wrong and that you're the one making this go to shit. You know, you spoke to this person, um, therefore you're the one that doesn't give a shit about this uh, relationship, you know, stuff like that and and it's it's so much more difficult when you have somebody who's constantly in no uncertain terms telling you that you are the problem but i think a lot of people need to hear that it's often not it's often people who just like i've said at, said at the beginning you know they have some sort of insecurity of their own and they need to make people feel as low and deflated and like brittle as possible just in pieces so that they can just control them and then they're fine and like this happens way more often than you think like the fact that we both have like extensive experience in this is quite telling so what was your method for obviously mine was just going away and dealing with my shit <laughs> take a year abroad take a year abroad yeah <laughs> go, go off live by yourself for a while in the woods and you know, <laughs> meditate what was your method of extracting yourself from the situation well it actually kind of it's probably not very helpful but this person ended up breaking up with me because after a while they realized that it was probably for the best because i was still in that phase of oh my god i can fix this person i'm fine you know i was like a hundred percent under control you're in the sunken place <laughs> yeah obviously retrospect and hindsight is twenty twenty, but at the time it is extremely difficult to get out of it but you need to essentially what i would say is it is not always the wrong thing to do in fact it's usually the right thing to do to just cut off contact and just see what your life is like without that person because once you realize that you're actually happier when you're not being controlled and you're not crying all the time and you feel like you can't do anything without being reprimanded. You realize that you don't need that and you are happier without it. You know, the amount of times I've had to tell people, this person is making your life miserable. Why are you still doing this? And they actually can't give me an answer. If it is making you feel crap, you have the right to get your life back. That's such good advice. That's why I'm a life coach. If I knew then what I knew now, oh, I'd God. still probably be a whore. <laughs> see i i'm of the opinion that i would not change having gone through all of this because it has taught me so much like it was horrible and it was like the most unhealthy relationship in the world but i wouldn't change it because i now know that if i ever came across that now and i hadn't been through it i may well fall for somebody telling me not to uh, well i mean probably not if they told me not to nail varnish now i don't get fucked but um (laughs) that's your straw never tell me not to wear nail polish you can do anything else spit on my face i don't care tell me not to wear nail polish get out (laughs) yeah and your days are numbered my friend (laughs) but i think it was an invaluable experience that i think you need to go through and everyone will usually go through some sort of you know shitty trauma um Mm. so i wouldn't i wouldn't take it back 
No, I think it makes you uh, appreciate the kind of good relationships when they do come, but also it allows you to kind of help other people in a way that you honestly just would not be able to otherwise. Like we have a, a friend who was, you know, questioning his sexuality and, you know, because you've gone through your own kind of journey, you're kind of a bit more able to steer people in directions without necessarily telling them what to do. Yeah, my life coach motto is, you know, I'm not here to tell you what to do, but I'm here to give you the options. <laughs> I'm not here to tell you what to do. Just pay me. <laughs> Just pay me and get out, for God's sake. That's a different kind of business. <laughs> <laughs> Them's your weekend calls. <laughs> Them's my weekends, yeah. Oh, I should be a life coach. I think the kind of main thing to take away from this is that you can be uh, a terrible, insecure, shitty mess, but... <laughs> Try and keep it in your early 20s. <laughs> Try and catch it, catch it early. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Go through all the shit early. That way, when you're in your mid-20s and late 20s, you don't have to deal with it. And then by mm. the time you're 30, you're an actually actualized individual. I know. Because like, I'm steaming towards cute. 30 and I'm feeling like I sort of have my shit together-ish. <laughs> I mean, coronavirus kind of got in the way of that, but generally, other generally, than that, you know, fine. Yeah. And also, I think the moral is don't be afraid. You know, you should be confident. There's no... Like, you are the most important person in your own life. Be confident. If you don't like Davia, you don't have to put up with it. And you shouldn't. And stop trying to train straight men. Even if they're not straight. I, I've got several in mind right now. You know who you is. <laughs> who uh, are, you know, going out with their fiancé, their missus, their wife in some cases. Got kids. And they, they nasty. They, they fucking around with every Tom, Dick and Harry. They sliding into people's DMs. I mean, if that's what you want to do, then pick that lane, but don't be in both. I'm like, if that's what you want to do, I am fine with you having an arrangement with your, with your missus where she knows. Mm. But don't do that fuck shit to another person because yeah. a lot of the time gay guys end up invalidating their own existence by just being someone else's fuck toy for so long yeah and you're that's like horrible. wasting time and time and time on these unavailable guys just because there's some weird allure about straight men or because you're like he's only gay for me no no he's fucking not <laughs> no he no, has issues that not. go further than you <laughs> yeah it's not you you are not the center of his universe as soon as you go you best a believer he's Face down, booty up for some other hell in a And if heartbeat. you are one of these people and you are listening, stop. Or at least stop. pick a lane. Pick a lane and stay in it. Just decide what you're doing. I am fine with it if you've got like an agreement with your wife where she pegs you every once in a while and lets you go one weekend a month to fuck someone. Fine. <laughs> But don't expect me to put my life on hold so you've got a nice place to lay your head every other weekend. That is exactly it. Because I'm not that hoe. I was when I was... <laughs> I was a few years ago. In your 20s. <laughs> them out. Keep, it in, in your, keep 20s. it in your early yeah. 20s. <laughs> keep it in your early 20s. Straight guys. Ugh, gross. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you very much for having me. It's been a pleasure. It's been lovely to have you. If you have anything else you would like uh, Nat and I to discuss, make sure to send me a message on Instagram at emrickbj. And yeah, stay safe during Corona season. Stay safe. Stay fabulous. Stay moist. Oh, God. <laughs> you have to say stay moist to the end of the podcast. It's until next time. And then you say it as breathy as you can. You will not hear those words from my lips. Stay moist. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> you will never hear those words exit my lips. Ever. God damn it. I love a good moist moment. <laughs> Maybe next time. <laughs> okay. Bye. Bye-bye-bye-bye. <laughs>